Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you had a good weekend. A lot of that may have depended on the weather. Hard to believe. Mid-April, and we've had uh, everything in the last few days from snow and cold to wildfires to tornadoes, depending on what part of the country you're in. DTN's Bryce Anderson will be joining us uh, today to let us know if spring is finally near anywhere around the corner. It's a long corner, it seems, to get around for many parts of the country, but hopefully spring weather is uh, getting closer. We'll find out. Also in the news, of course, this week, farm bill markup begins as Republicans and Democrats remain sharply divided over the nutrition title. And although much of the trade news recently has been about market restrictions, finally some good news. Argentina is opening up to U.S. pork, and we'll discuss the impact this market could have for U.S. pork producers today with Nick Giordano from the National Pork Producers Council. And from RFS and E15 waivers to high-octane levels, ethanol remains in the news. We'll talk a little later in the show today with the president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, Bob Deneen. But right now, we start things off with Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, how are you? I'm great, Mike. How about you? Are you someplace (laughs) without snow? Well, I'm in central Illinois, and we have snow flurries this morning. I tell you, it's, uh, you just have to keep looking at the calendar and see when it, what, what's the date here, you know. It's, but it's uh, when I see the inches of snow, many, multiple inches some places have received, uh, I am thankful I'm not in some of those areas. It's just uh, people without power. There are just so many weather problems across the country. But this week we're going to focus uh, in the ag news primarily on that farm bill and the markup that starts and, it's going to be interesting uh, based on what we've heard from both sides so far, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got the scoop from Colin Peterson last week, and we've got a big interview with Chairman Conaway on our open mic series on the AgriPulse website. It's not really helpful, I think, that it's been, what, four weeks since the two of them have talked? Uh, but it just gives you an idea of how partisan this bill is going to be. It's going to start uh, marking up on Wednesday morning. We'll be covering it live uh, through Twitter and uh, other social media. And it could be a little shorter markup. You know, sometimes, Mike, we're there till 1, 2 in the morning and sometimes into the next day. But if the Democrats decide they're just going to do a couple messaging amendments and not much else, then, hey, maybe we'll be done in a normal hour. Sarah, in my conversation Friday with uh, Colin Peterson. I don't think I've ever heard him quite that down on a farm bill. I mean, he's always the one that is kind of there to uh, find ways to get something done, find ways to, uh, you know, mend fences and bring two sides together. He was really down and, and, and as negative as I've heard him on this. Yeah, I, I caught that too, Mike. And, you know, he's been known to do things like lock different sides of an issue into a room and say, you know, when you come out, bring me your answer that's a compromise we can work with. I mean, he's a real problem-solver, pragmatic type of a guy. But in this case, you know, he says he's not taking direction from Nancy Pelosi, that all the Democrats on his committee and likely the Democrats throughout the caucus are going to be opposed to this. So there's not much more he can do, I don't think. I, I And I pose this question to him. I mean, I think it's really shaping up to be a 
a tough situation, decision for those farm state House members? Are they going to vote against a farm bill over the nutrition title? Do they feel that strongly about it? That'll be interesting. Well, that's what Chairman Conway is betting on, and he was clearly in the camp of, you know, let them do that at their own peril because their members aren't going to stand for that kind of a vote, and it will come back to haunt them in the midterm elections. But here's the thing I think that we all have to keep an eye on is that Chairman Conaway has had problems with his own caucus. The Republicans have suffered to try to stay together, especially when you look at the members of the Freedom Caucus that have opposed the bill in the past and tried to split the bill. I talked to several folks last week who said the only good thing that really Conaway has going for him in terms of unifying the GOP caucus is that while they might not like everything that's in this bill, they hate Nancy Pelosi even more. So that may be a unifying factor for a change in trying to get some of these disparate groups in the Republican Party to stick together. He's going to need all of them to get uh, you know, close to 218. He needs like 215, 216 to, to get it over the top. Can't ignore this part of it, of course. The nutrition title is the elephant in the room. But beyond that, are, do you find that it's, it's bipartisan support on the rest of the bill for the most part? Well, I, we've been hearing pretty good things. I mean, folks realize that there's not any new money, and so, you know, given what they've got to work with, they had to move some things around. They got some savings from nutrition, but they did reinvest it back into the measure. And I have to say, Jeff, that when you dig down into what they actually did with nutrition, there's some things that I think most people would say are pretty pragmatic sorts of decisions. For example, they are incentivizing people to buy more fruits and vegetables and dairy with their food stamps. And it's a and it's an incentive, not a penalty if they don't do so by telling people what to buy, but they get extra money if they do buy those types of products. They also clamp down on people who don't pay their child support and say if you don't pay child support, we're not going to make you eligible for food stamps. I think some of the things that are going to be tougher for folks are, of course, the able body work requirements. But again, it's 20 hours of work or training or something to try to move you into the workforce. And I think a lot of folks would also say that 20 hours is not too onerous, and it only applies to those that are under age 60 and uh, aren't, uh, you know, and uh, aren't taking care of a small child under six years old and things like that, aren't disabled, aren't elderly. So there are some things in here that I think others, uh, both sides of the aisle, could really like. But, uh, you know, the devil all gets in the details of the politics here. And clearly Nancy Pelosi has come out very strongly telling her caucus that she's not going to stand for this. And meanwhile, on the Senate side, Pat Roberts has made it clear they're not going to touch this. They aren't. You know, he and Senator Stabenow, his ranking member, have made it very clear that they want to work in a bipartisan fashion because they know that they have to get it through the Senate floor. And if they don't do so, then they won't have a bill. And they also see that there's a real danger here. Mike, you probably remember during the last farm bill debate, Democrats who weren't on board with Colin Peterson were very offensive about the crop insurance program, the uh, sugar program, other commodity title programs are expected to be under attack on the House floor, and they would be on the Senate floor, too, unless there's a very bipartisan effort to get this bill passed. Well, another interesting week ahead for sure. Sarah, as always, thanks for being with us. You're very welcome. Have a good week, Mike. 
take care. Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Uh, you can follow them, uh, uh, the AgriPulse team, on Twitter this week. They'll be covering that uh, markup of the uh, House Ag Committee's Farm Bill proposal. Hey, by the way, I'll be in Washington, D.C. next week, next Monday and Tuesday, part of the National Association Farm Broadcasting Washington Watch event. So we'll have a chance to cover a lot of these uh, issues from our nation's capital next week. Well, coming up next, weather. Oh, wow. I don't know about you, but uh, I think I've heard more people talk about how much they can't wait for spring to get here than I've heard in a long time. It's just this weather weighs on people. Well, what about some of those very dry areas? Are they getting the moisture they need? Is there more moisture ahead for them? We're going to get the whole picture from DTN's Bryce Anderson. That's coming up next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free life at 981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. 
Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, in our Don't Shoot the Messenger segment, we have Bryce Anderson, DTM Meteorologist, with us. Bryce, snow, cold, fires, tornadoes, a little bit of everything across the country in the last few days. Yeah, it's been uh, extremely uh, volatile, Mike. Uh, we were taking a look at uh, a lot of this potential a week ago, and uh, things really did come together. Uh, with the kind of uh, heavy snow that we saw in the uh, northern part of the uh, Midwest and the northern part of the Central Plains, you know, up to uh, two feet or more, a lot of blizzard uh, damage and, you know, many, many accidents. Uh, So there was a safety hazard, a lot of livestock stress, and I hope that things, uh, you know, didn't get too uh, damaging in in that part of things. And then uh, the uh, fires in Oklahoma that uh, resemble the wildfires that we have uh, seen in California from time to time. Uh, so there's uh, just been a, um, you know, a real uh, clash of the elements uh, going on. Uh, hopefully, uh, as we get through the rest of the month, things are going to calm down a little bit. But it does look like we're going to see another pretty good-sized storm roll through the north-central part of the country in the next uh, couple, three days. Wow, and what will that yeah. entail, and how what how much of an area will that cover? Uh, we're looking uh, we're looking at uh, the a lot of the uh, eastern uh, part of South Dakota into uh, western and south central Minnesota, uh, with another uh, round of snowfall that uh, probably is going to be three to seven inches uh, total, and uh, you're going to you're going to have uh, weather stations uh, in you know the north central part of the U.S that are going to record over three feet of snow or close to it uh, for the month of April. Uh, There's already over two feet that have been logged, like in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, if that uh, snowfall gets a little bit over, there could be, you know, like I say, close to three feet of snow, which is just, you know, incredible. And, uh, you know, obviously there's uh, certainly nothing happening uh, for field work with this type of uh, pattern. It's going to stay on the chilly side through this week, obviously. And, uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of field work that is just not going to get done until we get to the 1st of May because it's going to take several days, obviously, to, you know, kind of settle things out before uh, a whole lot of work can even get started. Yeah, in the Corn Belt, there was that brief window last week, a couple of days, uh, some places in the 80s, and people kind of got excited, but uh, that seems like a long time ago now. Boy, it does. It seems like it was like, uh, you know, two months ago or, or even longer, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the way things go. There was a little bit of corn planted last week. Uh, we know that, but uh, that's not going to be happening now for, uh, at, like I say, at least another week or week and a half uh, before everything is over with. Because this storm package is going to uh, give moderate to locally heavy precipitation to much of the uh, Delta and the southern Midwest. So that's, uh, you know, those are the areas where the, uh, where the uh, field work had been showing up the uh, greatest during the past uh, week and a half. Now, there is one area of the country, Mike, that is 
uh, going to benefit from this uh, moisture, and that is the southern plains, because uh, they've got the best chance for uh, some type of decent precip that they've seen all year. And uh, we're looking for a half to one and a half inches, maybe even locally heavier, in uh, most of Kansas, along with Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle. Uh, so obviously that's uh, moisture that is much needed, and it uh, certainly would, I think, be kind of a lifeline for the wheat crop there. Yeah, very good news for that part of the country, that's, that's for sure. All right, we're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. So Bryce, uh, it, it kind of sounds like you're saying it, look for this weather to stay unsettled until at least May. Is that it? Oh, I think that's the way things are looking, Mike. I mean, the you know the uh, upper air pattern doesn't really show a a great deal of change to it. In fact, there's quite a bit of uh, disagreement uh, between the forecast models from the U.S. and uh, the European weather agencies today. Um, we like, uh, or I do, I like the European model presentation because it is more consistent with what we've had, and that is uh, with the idea of getting uh, some still kind of cool conditions uh, to uh, stay in place over much of the northern and central areas of the country going through the next week, week and a half. I don't think we're going to really change this pattern much until we get into the, uh, you know, the month of May proper. And so the, uh, you know, the outlook is that uh, it's going to be a slow start to field work. There's not going to be very much that gets done before the 1st of May. And when everything happens, it's all going to come together at once. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of demand on, on folks' time and, uh, and equipment when uh, the, the uh, conditions finally allow themselves to, uh, to, you know, to support field work. Uh, this is the slowest start to uh, planting that we've seen over much of the Corn Belt in uh, five years, going back to 2013. I had an email from uh, one of our subscribers in northeastern Iowa uh, on Friday who, who referred to that, uh, and uh, that was the last time that he had had a year where he hadn't done anything for field work up to this point in mid-April, and so it's uh, five years ago. Uh, that we had uh, this pattern show up like this the most recent time. So looking at May, when we finally turn that corner, do you see it just turning into summer practically, or do we start getting spring-like weather then and have our spring in May? Oh, I think we're going to get some spring-like conditions uh, when, when May sets in. Um, and uh, as we uh, particularly go through the last half of May, I think that things are going to be um, more seasonal for us. And uh, that's when uh, there's going to be a, a lot of improvement in, uh, in growing conditions and so forth. And I should mention that just because uh, there may be a slow start to the season, and uh, that's probably pretty well dialed in, that doesn't mean that uh, we can't, you know, have decent production because 2013 was a pretty good year overall with, uh, you know, production, even though there was a very slow start. So you still have that potential for, um, for getting things done and uh, for crops to actually perform. So it's not, you know, just a write-off by any means, but it is going to be uh, just very stressful to uh, get things taken care of in terms of just getting crops in this year. Bryce, is it just my perception or my imagination, or is this this change kind of in the seasons? I, I, I've made this comment before that, uh, and I'm in central Illinois, 
it seems like anymore I'm more apt to be mowing my yard on Thanksgiving than I am on Easter. It just seems like the season may start a little later, growing season, but it, it goes a little longer. Is that just is that true, or do we see a trend? Is that happening, or is that just my imagination? Well, there's been there's been uh, more of a uh, a real volatility uh, component to the spring season, uh, and that's been uh, one feature that that we've had, Mike. We've we have had some years where. Uh, you know, where field work has gotten going very early, and then uh, some years like this where it's happened later. Um, and as far as the end to the season, uh, there there is no doubt that uh, there's been a delay in terms of the first hard freeze and a real end of the season during the fall period. Uh, you know, the fall season now is, is more it it uh it is sure acting like the fall season is more just a calendar uh event rather than an actual weather feature and uh, there's a you know there's been several years now where that's been the case yeah and that's interesting you bring up the word calendar i had a, dis- a conversation with someone over the weekend about that it seems like uh, we're just used to going by the calendar and we see a certain date we think we ought to be doing a certain event out in the you know outside and maybe you know we have to look at things a little differently if, if we're starting to see kind of a pattern shift here or, uh, the calendar may not line up with the weather like it used to well it it may not uh, the uh, you know the equinox is still the same but uh, the response hasn't necessarily been that way and and uh, you know that is that is uh, something that uh, you know a lot of us are are noticing and uh, we started to depend on uh, that uh, longer uh, element in the fall to uh, help crops uh, actually finish out. That was a real lifeline for crops uh, last year uh, because of uh, a lot of delayed planting and and, uh, replanting that had to be done. It was also a uh, primary feature here back in uh, 2015 when uh, there was uh, a pretty good portion of the western corn belt that had a real slow time of it and uh, some periodic uh, flooding out uh, the forest replanting. Uh, during those two years, uh, the the uh, first frost came uh, quite late uh, relative to average, and so that did allow for the, uh, you know, for crops to come around and produce pretty well. And there could be a, a scenario where we depend on that again for this year. All right, so as we shovel snow or bundle up, uh, well, again, I'm urging people, don't blame the messenger. You're just the messenger, right? <laughs> It, it, it uh, is some kind of message. There's no doubt about that, Mike. Yeah. We, we look forward to better news. Thanks a lot, Bryce. You're welcome, Mike. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right. RFS waivers, E15 waiver, high octane, lots of ethanol issues to talk about with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. We'll do that next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable 
adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. As you heard moments ago, DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson talking about heavy snow and freezing temperatures in the northern plains, sparking concerns about the condition of cattle in the region. As much as 20 inches of snow falling in Nebraska, South Dakota, Minnesota, that has cattle traders bracing for stress and potential loss of livestock. Much of the northern Corn Belt encountering heavy snow over the weekend and the eastern Corn Belt took on some more rain too. Corn Belt temperatures are expected to stay below average the next 10 days. That will keep the pace of planting slow for early 2018. We'll get an update from USDA later on Monday afternoon about what, if any, kind of planting progress took place over the past week. An hour into the trading day, minus signs and soybeans, corn, and the wheat futures, too. Losses being led by Kansas City, some 14 to 16 and a half cents lower, 9 to 10 lower in Chicago wheat, Minneapolis spring wheat, 10 to 11 and a fraction lower. In corn, we're trending 2 to 2 and a fraction lower. December, new crop down 2 and a half at 408 and a quarter. Soybean futures 1 to nearly 4 cents lower. July down 3 and a half an hour into the trading day at 1061 and a quarter. For livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures. To 117.97. We saw cash cattle activity last week. 117 to 118 in the south. Feeder cattle, $1.25 to $1.85 higher. Lean hog futures, other direction, 80 to $1.07 lower. Outside markets, the Dow up 182 points. May crude oil in New York down 58 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. As I mentioned, uh, ethanol is still very much in the news. We have the waiver issues, whether it's uh, the RFS waivers from EPA or the possible E15 waiver. So that's the, both the 
negative and the positive side of the ethanol news there. And now we have the the high octane issue uh, to bring into all this as well. So let's talk with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Wow, Bob, a lot on your plate these days. Well, it's, uh, you got to be kept busy these days, right? <laughs> That's right. Plenty to talk about. Well, let's let's get to the president's comments on E15 year-round. What do you make of that? Is that uh, is that dangling a carrot? Is it uh, getting our hopes up, or do you think this is really going to happen? Look, I think it really will happen. Now, uh, there wasn't a great deal of clarity. The president certainly did indicate that uh, he wanted EPA Administrator Pruitt to provide uh, a waiver that would allow the year-round use of E15, which would be a tremendous benefit. Frankly, it's something that should have been done a while ago. But um, but at the same time, he also hinted that uh, there may be something for the refiners in this. And that is what lacked uh, clarity and what we're trying to figure out a little bit uh, more about. Because depending on what they do, I mean, they've talked about capping the price of rent, which would be a non-starter. They've talked about a number of other things, and frankly, I feel that Scott Pruitt has done quite enough for the uh, refiners over the last several months with demand destruction policies that have undermined the RFS and cost uh, ethanol more than a billion gallons of demand. So I'm sorry. I don't think this is a a situation where because uh, Scott Pruitt might be asked to give something to ethanol, he's got to give something else to refiners. The heck with that. And that's what it feels like every time you you get something from the White House that sounds like a positive, then you kind of you kind of hold your breath and wait for the other shoe to fall. I mean, what's what's going to happen in reaction to that? It seems like you never just get the one single uh, event that there's always that that uh, follow up that uh, may not be as positive. So um, what are you hearing on uh, on a timetable? How would this play out, do you think? Well, it would have to go through a public uh, notice and comment, EPA will have to propose a rule that would uh, be uh, commented on, and and we would comment and others, uh, and then they would have to finalize it. So you're talking, you know, six to eight or nine months before you see a a final rule. And then by the uh, oil company's own public statements, uh, they likely litigate. Now, I don't think they would be able to get a a stay of the rule. I think the rule would be put in place while the litigation played out, but it would still create a fair amount of uncertainty. So you might be looking at, you know, a couple of years before uh, there was a situation where we finally know what the rules of the game are going to be and, and people can rely upon it. So that's just the nature of the business. But clearly getting a rule done and having that rule uh, be in place while litigation occurs would be helpful. Presumably, there would also have to be a rulemaking on whatever it is that uh, EPA is fixing to do to help out the refiners. And it would be a similar situation with public comment and then with likely litigation. So there will be uncertainty for for a while, and you're going to have lots to talk about for uh, for a while uh, on this issue. Yeah, these things don't happen overnight, that's for sure. We're talking with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Well, when the administration talks about helping refineries, Scott Pruitt has certainly been doing that with the waivers on the RFS. Well, he certainly has. There was a waiver provision that had been in place since the act was passed in 2005, and 
small refiners initially were granted a waiver uh, you know, from the program, but beginning in 2010, they had to request it. Well, uh, you know, for years, uh, there would only be two or three small refinery waivers that were given, and they had to make a demonstration of a uh, economic hardship directly related to the RFS. Well, something changed when Scott Pruitt became the administrator because suddenly you're not talking about two or three, you're talking about 25 to 30, and you're not talking about uh, a de minimis amount of an impact. You're talking about more than a billion gallons of demand that has been waived as a consequence of these small refiner exemptions. That is not what the program was about. This was supposed to be a hardship waiver, and he's giving them to companies like Endeavor that made a billion and a half dollars last year. There's no hardship there. And frankly, no small refiner would be able to demonstrate hardship from blending ethanol, which is today lower priced than gasoline, at a higher octane. How is it that blending a higher octane, lower priced product is going to present a hardship to any oil company or any consumer? You just can't make that demonstration. In this case, though, a demonstration wasn't even required. If you are an oil company and you've got a small refinery, less than 75,000 barrels a day, and that's about 10% of the nation's gasoline supply, and you've got a stamp and you know Scott Pruitt's address, you're going to get one of these waivers. That is an abomination of the statute and uh, the way that the EPA has implemented this program up till now. All right, let's talk about high octane and um, moving forward, dealing with greenhouse gas emissions. All of this would seem to play right into the strength, the wheelhouse of uh, renewable fuels, yet the oil industry is going to uh, obviously take another uh, position on this. And while they may support a move to higher octane levels, they're going to do so, what, with what would stay within their parameter and not be to uh, favor renewable fuels. Is that right? Mike, you've got it absolutely correct. Uh, the oil companies want to move quite generously to where we are today. <laughs> They're supporting a 95 ROM, which is research octane. That's, that is, in effect, a 91 AKI, or the 91 that you would see at the pump. Well, we've got 91 octane today. So they want to move to it not to provide marketplace opportunity for ethanol, but to keep ethanol right where it is uh, in 10% blends. We've supported, and the auto companies in the past have advocated for a higher octane so that they can build more efficiencies into the engines and they can get reductions in carbon and, and improved cafe mileage with higher compression ratio engines that would require a higher octane fuel. Now, look. Generally, I guess, moving to a, a 91 octane as the standard uh, is moving in the right direction, but it does very little potentially for ethanol. What it could do is mean refiners meet their that 91 octane all with hydrocarbons and actually potentially lowering uh, ethanol use in this country. That's it's a rather cynical effort on their part uh, to claw back market share. And this continues this interesting dance uh, between fuels and automakers and how this plays out in those relationships. Well, indeed. Uh, you know, we've been talking to the auto companies for years, literally years, about uh, high-octane fuel and what the best way to, to achieve it. And, and I was surprised when the auto companies 
all of a sudden decided to capitulate to the oil company's agenda on this issue. They know that uh, the best scenario for them would be a higher octane, not just 91 Ron, I'm sorry, 91 AKI, but they seem unwilling to go there right now. And uh, so this debate is going to continue, and hopefully before anything really begins to move, uh, we've at least established a new baseline upon which we can build politically and technically for uh, uh, a higher octane that would mean more benefit to consumers, uh, more savings for auto companies, and potentially more opportunity for ethanol. Bob, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you one more question about uh, the EPA situation. You, you've said before here that you believe that Scott Pruitt's been acting on his own on, on these waivers, not getting direction from the White House. Well, now, obviously, the White House has to be aware of what's going on and has been going on. Um, what do you see as a reaction from the White House? Do you expect or have you seen any signs that they're, they're basically telling Scott Pruitt, stop handing out these waivers? I've not seen that done publicly yet, but uh, I do know that the White House is very concerned about the way that uh, Scott Pruitt is implementing the program and the waivers that he is granting. Certainly members of Congress, led by Senator Grassley and Ernst and Fisher and Thune and Blunt, have expressed their deep frustration with uh, these waivers, and I suspect that uh, Scott Pruitt's going to have his wings clipped very soon. Uh, But in the meanwhile, there's still more than a billion gallons of demand destruction that has occurred as a consequence of what he's already done, and we need to unwind it, not just stop it. Any response, or or is it too soon to have a response on your Freedom of Information requests? Well, they've got about uh, two more weeks before legally they're supposed to get me something. Curiously, uh, or maybe predictably, I've not heard a peep from EPA. I have heard from the Department of Energy, and I can assume that they are working on a response. Uh, I, quite frankly, don't have a great deal of confidence that EPA is going to respond appropriately or legally. I think it'll be the Heisman, and just, again, another demonstration of, uh, you know, Scott Pruitt thinking that he's not accountable to anybody. All right, Bob, thanks for your time. I'll be in Washington, D.C. next week. Look forward to seeing you. Oh, it would be great to see you again, Mike. Take care. All right. See you then. Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So a lot of very important issues still out there, waiting for a resolution on these uh, the waiver situation. And as you heard on the E15, even though it's uh, a positive uh, to hear the president talk about going to E15 sales year-round, as you heard Bob say, uh, in the best-case scenario, that's going to take a long time to actually happen and play out. And uh, it, a lot of the steps, a lot of uh, hurdles to jump through, uh, hoops to over, jump through to get to, to that end result. But hopefully we're getting closer to getting the process started. Hey, we do have some good news in the trade front. Argentina opening up to U.S. pork. Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council will join us next to tell us what impact this could have for U.S. pork producers. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. 
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button you can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial there's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract for a limited time you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase remember mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure that's 800-930-6137 again 800-930-6137 I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospa's unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. 
the mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Hey, we finally have some good trade news to talk about. Argentina opening up to U.S. pork. Joining us now, Nick Giordano, Vice President and Counsel for Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Nick, thanks for joining us. How significant is this market for U.S. pork producers? Well, it's it's certainly not going to replace our... um, our sales to China, which, as you know, Mike, um, have been um, disrupted because of the uh, 232 tariffs. But um, we're happy. We need good news on trade, and this is something that MPPC has been working on for a long time. Um, Dr. Hayes of Iowa State has been doing modeling for us for a long time on the value of trade deals um, is forecasting the short term to be about a $10 million a year market. Um, but it, the, the, the market for pork in Argentina has been growing significantly. Most people think of it as a beef-consuming market, and that would be right. But pork consumption has skyrocketed there. Very positive for the Argentine pork producers and very positive for our producers who uh, are eager to compete in that market. So we're, we're very happy. As you said, compete in that market. We get the chance to compete, but we got some strong competition. I believe Brazil is currently the main supplier of pork into Argentina. Is that right? Yeah, Brazil is a significant supplier and obviously um, – geographically proximate to Argentina, and moreover, because of the Mercosur Customs Union, um, there's no tariff. So we're kind of going into battle with one arm behind our back um, because we will have tariffs on our product. Um, The U.S. doesn't have a free trade agreement with Argentina. But um, we're, look, our industry is extremely competitive, and I, I think most economists today would probably tell you we're currently the low-cost producer of pork in the world, and uh, we're going to sell product there. But it's you know it's not going to be a top-tier market for the foreseeable future. All right, let's look at uh, other markets. Uh, you mentioned China. Uh, any update there on the situation with the tariffs? Well, it hurts, and producers are not happy and. We don't blame them. Um, you know, we're, we're an innocent bystander. We're a casualty of a trade war. Um, the tariffs, you know, there's been a lot of talk about 
the trade war and what might happen and we put tariffs on, they put tariffs on, and so on. The reality here is that very few sectors actually have tariffs in effect on the product. Pork industry is one, um, and this is in response, China's response to the, the steel and aluminum 232. So producers aren't happy about that. I think they understand the greater context here that this administration is trying to um, reestablish economic relations with China and that long long run that's probably in the best it is in the best interest of this country um, so you know we certainly have a lot of patriots in the industry but nevertheless it's difficult to be collateral damage in a trade war so they're not happy about that and it's very positive that we've gotten good news in Argentina and uh, we on on staff and of course producer leadership have redoubled our efforts to try and, you know, get open as many um, markets as possible. And we're working closely with the, um, the administration to try and make that happen. Argentina is one notch in the belt, and um, we're looking for others as well. What do you make of the president's comments about possibly getting back into TPP? We welcome those comments. MPPC was a stalwart supporter of TPP. We worked very, very hard um, during the Obama administration. I mean, back before there was a TPP, um, working hard for a, uh, an Asia-Pacific-wide deal, which turned into the TPP negotiation. We were, you know, one of, one of the most vocal and active sectors throughout the negotiation. And we got a great deal for pork producers. We were very unhappy when the U.S. pulled the plug. Uh, and we're delighted that the president is reconsidering. Um, so it, 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 it would be great for us. And we're falling behind in Japan. The, the, you know, subsequent to the U.S. pulling out of TPP, um, the European Union did a deal, a TPP-type deal with Japan. So when that gets implemented, probably next year, we're going to start going backwards there. And then... You know, the TPP-11 is going to go into effect, you know, either 2019 or 2020. That means other competitors such as Canada and, and Mexico, Chile, and so on are going to have better access than we have. It's a problem. And, and I think the administration understands, not just for the pork industry, but we tend to be at the tip of the spear on, on trade deals because we are so competitive. And it's a big deal for the U.S. and delighted to hear that the administration is reconsidering. They have our full support. Nick, got just a minute left here, but uh, Vice President Pence had some fairly optimistic, uh, positive comments about uh, NAFTA uh, in, in just the last few days. Do you share that optimism? Yeah, we do. Look, we had a, uh, a near-death experience with the Korean agreement, uh, listeners might remember, back uh, around Labor Day, I remember because I had a house full of extended family and I had to work the whole weekend. But um, you know, we put out a call to action, as some other groups did, and and farmers and ranchers rose to the occasion, and there was no termination, and we through that. And you know, the president and Bob Leihizer came came good on their word, and they said they were going to do no harm to agriculture, and there was no harm done to agriculture. We're hopeful that the same thing happens on the NAFTA. Um, as important as Korea is to us, 
Um, you know, the NAFTA is even more important just because of the magnitude of sales. So we're, yeah, we're bullied by the vice president's comments, by the president's comments, by trade ambassador Lighthizer's comments. We really need, look, we've, we've taken one for the team in China, and we hope, like Korea, that, you know, the, 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 the China retaliation is short-lived. And uh, we hope that NAFTA, we come through with no tariffs there, no problem. All right, Nick, thanks for your time. We appreciate the update. Thanks for having me. Take care. Nick Giordano, Vice President and Counsel, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Another busy week ahead on these and other key issues. We'll keep you updated right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.